I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today has worked with two of the most iconic business leaders in the world, Donald Trump, our former president, and Carl Icahn. Scott Butera has an eclectic background. He has a passion for sports, but a curiosity and an intellect that for 20 years he worked in investment banking and became an expert with financial tools needed to restructure. During our discussion, we'll understand how he applied those, those skills, how he moved in, into the gaming business, and how today he's partnering to put sports and online betting together and making it easier for the user to watch and engage with a team, a league, to place a bet. Our guest, Scott Butera. Welcome, friends. A unique guest has touched many different industries, brings a level of intellect and a level of curiosity through multiple industries. Plus, he's had the opportunity to work with two of the most iconic business leaders and one former president of the United States. Our guest, Scott Patero. Thank you, Jed. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, you're a football guy from Trinity. Yep. So talk a little bit about that journey from Trinity. You get your MBA at Stern, but then you spend 20 years in investment banking. Why investment banking? Yeah, sure. Why has that been a core for you? I'll get into that. And, you know, I've had, as you said, I had a very eclectic career. I've had the opportunity to work in many businesses. They've all sort of added to my repertoire. So, And I've enjoyed all of them. As you've mentioned, I've had the chance to work with a lot of great people. But the underlying theme to all of it is my absolute love of sports, you know, and, and playing football at Trinity, you know, is, it's, it's a Division three school, but a good one, right? A competitive school and always has outstanding football, great program. And I learned a lot there. You know, obviously, you learn a lot about teamwork, you learn about sacrifice, you learn about what makes a great organization, you know, and, and one of the things that I you know, learned throughout my career is, is in sports particular, you know, no two organizations are alike. And you can really understand why some of them win on a consistent basis and some of them don't. So it was a great way to kind of launch my career. And, and throughout my career, I've always, you know, stayed very close to, to sports, as, as you know, as we've, we've stayed in touch throughout the years. As you mentioned, I grew up in, uh, I was actually born in Boston, Mass. I'm a sort of diehard Bostonian um, through and through, but um, uh, moved to Southern Connecticut when I was probably my young teens, went to high school at Greenwich High School, played football there, we were actually state champions there two of the three years that I was there. And that, that's also a great program. You know, that's where um, Steve Young had come from. Actually, my father, believe it or not, was Steve Young's uh, principal in elementary school. From Greenwich High, I went to Trinity. And then, um, you know, it was really during 
kind of the, I really love finance. You know, I love corporate America. Um, Wall Street's a great place to get to know, um, you know, the, the business world really quickly. You're working with a lot of companies. You know, it's kind of in the heyday of Wall Street. You, know, you remember the whole like Gordon Gecko, Mike Milken, you know, so there was an excitement to it. And went to work um, there, as you mentioned, for a number of years. I started at Bear Stearns and ultimately um, ran large lodging, gaming, and leisure groups at both um, Credit Suisse First Boston and UBS. But one of the things that was great about my investment banking career is initially I started working with a lot of you know very kind of sophisticated financial instruments. I got to learn how to do kind of tricky finance deals. Um, I worked a lot with companies that were a little bit distressed and in trouble and needed a lot of really creative thought behind it. So I, 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 cre- I developed a financial acumen and kind of got known for that that really you know, helped me get on a lot of important assignments you know, throughout my career. So as I got older, um, I got the opportunity to work on you know, many significant IPOs. I, I initially started um, in healthcare, but quickly realized that I had a true passion for Real estate, lodging, gaming, leisure. So you know, I, I got to work on a lot of the signature deals that were done throughout the the industry at the time. You know, companies like Hilton, Marriott, uh, all the gaming companies, Harris in the day, Wynn, Steve Wynn Resorts, and you know, Mandalay and MGM, and you know, uh, when they were all kind of going public and creating their companies and putting them together, I got to meet. You know, as a banker, you, you really do interact at the C-suite level, so got to interact with a lot of CEOs and CFOs. And, and what I realized throughout the course of my career in banking is that I really loved the business. I really wanted to be an operator. I think I was financing it so much just to learn about it, but my passion was to operate. I like working with employees. I like working with people. I like building things. I like operating things. And ultimately, when I left banking and joined Donald Trump, uh, actually, to restructure his entire lodging and real estate company in the early 2000s, the re- what I liked about the gaming business, and this actually is another theme throughout my career, is the gaming business is really, they call it gaming, but it's really many businesses under one roof, right? You have gaming, you have lodging, you have entertainment, you have retail, you have food and beverage, you have development, you have travel services, um, and a number of other things that you know I just can't remember. And and I loved all of those businesses, so it was a chance to work with all of them at once. But what I realized is that when you take those businesses on an individual basis, they're tough businesses. You know, they're kind of low margin grind, you know, businesses where you really need to operate, you know, very sharply to do well. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, there's a lot of, you're subject to a lot of sways in the market and, and they're cyclical and all kinds of things. But the magic is when you put them together, they create kind of a flywheel and they work off one another, which is why if you go to a casino, you know, in Vegas, you could stay at a room at the Wynn for maybe $200 that would cost you $1,000 in New York because, you know, they got a platform that's selling you gaming, that's selling you food and beverage, it's selling you entertainment. So even though all these businesses are difficult, when you put them together and create kind of this global entertainment experience, and when you have a customer where you can sort of sell a bunch of things to them from the right platform, then that's a business model that really works. And what I've realized is that it's all about your platform, how broad, you know, creating that platform is the tough part. Whether it's brick and mortar, you know, like when I was in the casino business or now I'm in the media business or whether it's technology, you have to develop that platform and it has to be scalable. And then you have to be able to apply a number of verticals to it to make it work. And that's how businesses succeed is they have platforms that are really well thought out, that are put together, you know, in a very fundamentally sound way and they're scalable. Um, So that was very interesting. So I did spend five years 
restructuring um, Trump Entertainment, which is what it ultimately became. Let's talk talk a little bit about what that interaction was like with the former president. Yeah, we, we see his personality. And we, you know, I voted for him. We we can yep. see, you know, how brisk he can be. So you mm-hmm. work directly with him. What you see is what he's really like. Almost all of it. You know, what what you see is what you get with uh, with our former president. And I tell you, I had a really despite the fact that we went through a really difficult deal and, and what we did is we had a company that at the time was really underwater. I mean, we had three, you know, casino, four casino assets and some real estate assets and they were all held by different entities and they were all way over levered and they were all losing a lot of money and we couldn't really sell them because it, there were tax implications and all kinds of stuff. So we had a really, really difficult deal. We had to bring all these things together. We had to wipe out a bunch of debt. Now, unfortunately, in today's in corporate America, when you have to wipe out debt, you have to do that through a court process known as a bankruptcy, which is not a favorite word of people. Um, so we had to go through all that at the time that NBC was launching The Apprentice, right? So in addition to having all the pressures of doing a very difficult deal, we had to position it in a way that didn't look so bad because here we are trying to launch a TV show that, that shows, you know, uh, our former president is like one of the most successful businessmen in America, right? So we had, I learned a lot about public relations at that, at that uh, juncture as well. But no, Donald, you know, I'll tell you, is, is a very smart individual. He pays a lot of attention, you know, to the business. We would speak several times a day. Um, and, and look, he's a, he's a demanding person. He, it can be challenging. You know, you need to be on your toes at all times. Um, but as long as you're, you know, loyal and uh, do hard work and, you know, we had a good result, you know, um, things would go okay, you know, and, and like I said, I had a really, you know, great experience with them. I got a lot of stories, probably not for this podcast, but <laughs> along the way, which, you know, is great. Certainly there was some entertainment, you know, when I, when I take a step back and, and no longer sweating bullets, there's some entertainment aspects to some of the things that went on. But, um, you know, by and large, it was a, it was a great experience. So now the business you're in, you're in the casino business. Now you're working for Fubal and you're bringing a new approach. So yeah. talk about, I mean, with our world today, you know, people are thinking about betting and online and streaming things. And you're yeah. kind of, again, just like you were with your financial instrument, you were, you've got a new set of instruments today that you're kind of on yeah. the leading edge of. Discuss with our audience and help educate them about you know, what the streaming, the gaming, how that's all coming together, the vertical integration that football is trying to do and how yeah. you're there to try to help them do something very different. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And so, you know, after um, after Trump and then I did a similar deal for Carl Icahn and, and all that, I got into sports a little bit, as you know, and I saw, you know, what was going to happen with sports betting and, and how, you know, uh, important a business, you know, that um, but in, in a way, I think that's a little different than people initially were thinking of it. And then actually I had the opportunity to go set up the whole BetMGM platform at MGM, which I did prior to kind of COVID wiping out the world for a year. Um, and I obviously learned a lot about that. But, you know, if you think about you, you, I'm sure a lot of your audience is very familiar with what's going on in sports betting. Sports betting obviously is a huge business. Um, you know, people love to bet on sports. The volumes are, are tremendous. It's it's state by state, and I think only, you know, we still haven't reached the fruition of all the states legalizing gaming yet. I think New York actually just went live today. So it's really, you know, just two years out very much in its growth as a regulated business. Obviously, it's been an illegal business for many years. 
But what you're finding is similar to my theme when I was talking about with the gaming business and separate businesses, the sports betting business, for those of us that have been in the business for a long time, because we did have it in Nevada, is in and of itself a very low margin business. I mean, a sports book will make, you know, two cents for every dollar that's bet if they're if they're lucky. And unlike a slot machine where you have a guaranteed payout on a sports bet, you don't. But what sports betting does do is it it stimulates a lot of activity, right? And it creates a lot of excitement about around watching sports. So my my view is whether it's a live event or whether it's a TV event, you know, sports betting should be part of a global sports entertainment experience, right? So I live in I live in Las Vegas. If I go to a Golden Knights game, the hockey game is like a tenth of the experience. You've got great food and beverage. You've got nightclubs. You've got you know people interacting on social media. You've got people betting. You've got people hanging out before the game, after the game, et cetera. It's, it's a whole big experience. That's what I think sports betting can be used really well for. So um, after MGM, I went and worked and we developed a sports betting um, platform. And what I said to our group is that you know, again, I want to be part of a, an experience. We can't exist. This business really won't make sense on its own. It has to be part of an entertainment experience. Fubo TV, which I had known for a couple of years, um, you know, is, is now a, a leading, you know, uh, video streaming company. We're probably the leader in sports. We do over 50,000 events a year that we broadcast. We have over 100 channels. We also have a complement of news and entertainment channels. But we're really sports oriented. And we had a company uh, on the media side that was willing to go through the gaming licensing process. And the importance of that is, if you think about most sports books and media experiences, like I go on ESPN and they'll advertise Caesars, just lines, et cetera. If I want to make those bets, I then got to go leave ESPN, go to Caesars and make a bet. And it's not really synchronized that well. Whereas in Fubo's case, because we were all licensed and we're all one integrated product, we have the only truly owned and operated, uniquely integrated sports Sports book and sports streaming company. I'm a holder and I'm a, I have the subscription. So tell mm-hmm. me what I have to do to, to be able to put a yeah. wager on it. So if you, if you um, go into your homepage, you can, there's an option where you'll um, sign up for our sports book. You'll probably get an offer to do so, um, you know, depending upon what we're running that day, you'll get some incentive. You'll, you'll then, you know, just add a little bit more information about your background and, and then you'll sign up for the sports book. And then, on the sportsbook app, you'll have the sportsbook app that'll be on your either mobile device or on your um, web browser. And and then what will happen is when you pull up a when you put up a game on Fubo TV, and then you go to your sportsbook, that that sportsbook page will be absolutely completely synchronized to the game that's on your TV. And if you were to change the channel, the sportsbook page would change to that new game. And then what that allows us to do is that allows us to create betting opportunities that are unique um, to to you and to what's going on at that game at that particular time. So we own, we create experiences that follow along with the game because we're completely synchronized. The other thing that's really great about our platform is we, we have over a million subscribers now, and those subscribers watch about 130 hours of TV. Now, if you're a sportsbook customer, I know a little bit about your sports habits. I know what teams you like. I know when you like to bet, et cetera. But if I know what you watch throughout the course of a month, I know a lot about Jed Hughes and what he likes. I know he likes, you know, uh, home network shows. I know he likes food shows. We say, what, is, what are the things that, what are the things that people that like sports like, right? What does a sports-minded person like to do? And that's the same thing almost in a casino, right? Casino does that too. It says, hey, what does a blackjack player like to do? He likes to go to some bars. He likes to go to Cirque shows or, you know, whatever, you know, and, and that's really what we're trying to do is, is, is create a platform where we have sort of this 
incredibly strong, you know, video media streaming option with great content, and then use that content to develop more activity that we can monetize. And by the way, that can be real money wagering, that can be free to play. I think peer to peer is going to be very big and we're working on that. Um, so there's a whole lot of ways because don't forget, if we make money on a wager, that's great. But if you're enjoying the game and you're wagering throughout the game and you're watching longer and I get more hours, well, then maybe I can sell more ads on my platform. Maybe my subscription numbers go higher. Maybe my, my retention numbers go higher. So they really, it's a symbiotic relationship between the betting and the, and the streaming, which is a whole different approach than people that are just trying to make money on wagering. In New York, you mentioned bettings come legal. The Mets, you have a, have a piece of land where they may try to monetize that from a gaming perspective. So the question becomes, you have all these different casinos that are trying to partner with them, or do they go and do it themselves? I mean, what's, yeah. what's your thought yeah. if you look at opportunities like that? I know there are some of the different uh, places in, in Las Vegas have partnered with groups that come in and work. Yeah. with different teams. So what's your what's your thought? I, I, I actually have spoken a lot about this. And I think this is I think this is going to be people ask me like what I think the biggest change is going to be in sports betting and wagering and entertainment going forward. And I think it's that um, the people that control and own the content are going to are going to actually control that and they're going to be partnering less. So let's say like a sports book, right? So let's say I'm a team owner or a league, right? Well, sports books exist because of me. Merchandisers exist because of me. TV companies exist because of me, right? So do I really want to get a 6-7% rev share um, on a business that I'm driving? Well, up until now, you know, sports betting was this illegal business. And I, you know, there's all these integrity issues and I needed to sort of keep it a little bit on the side. Well, that's all broken down, right? It, it, it's a legitimate business. It's, it's, it's a business that you can run, operate well without any, you know, kind of risk true risk of integrity. So I really think that team owners are going to own and control a lot more of their destiny when it comes to these other businesses because they are significant in value and they're sort of almost giving it away by partnering. So I'm a strong advocate for developing the expertise in-house and it might take you a little bit longer to get started, but in the long run, you're going to make a lot of money and particularly in a business like the casino business which just generates a ton of cash. I mean, I can't imagine ever wanting to part with that. I mean, that makes sense. I, that makes great sense. So when you think about all these different people you've worked for and your achievements, what are the two or three things that you look back on and say, wow, you, yeah. you really can't believe that you got that accomplished? I'd say there are a couple. Certainly getting the whole you know, Trump restructuring done was a major accomplishment. You know, When I went to do that deal, so many people said, you know, don't do it, you'll fail, you'll never be able to work, you know, with Mr. Trump and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and it was a, it was a very difficult deal. Look, this was at a time where we didn't necessarily have political correctness, right? So I'd go into giant creditor meetings and I'd be called every name in the book and then, you know, getting screamed at. And I think someone threw a donut at me in one meeting and all kinds of stuff. But it was a very, very difficult deal. Primarily not because of the you know, some of the things you think about, but primarily just the difficulty of the deal itself. We were merging four different entities. We had to wipe out a bunch of debt. We had to work with some of the most sophisticated creditors on the planet, over 200 of them, and convince them to do a deal. Um, there was a lot of infighting throughout the way. And, and we got to a successful resolution. And we had all kinds of tax implications that had to be structured around. And uh, over the course of, you know, two years, we got to a conclusion 
that um, went from a company that was probably worth negative 400 million to worth almost 2 billion when I left. And Morgan Stanley, a big white shoe institution came in, invested a billion dollars in the company. And really the company was in, in great shape when I left that. So, you know, for a variety, and, and then having a, a, an ongoing, you know, good relationship with the president is, is, was helpful as well. So, you know, that was obviously a, a, a real, you know, important deal for me. And then similarly working for, you know, Carl Icahn, you know, Carl is also considered a very sophisticated, demanding person. I learned a lot, you know, they're so very different, but they're both very smart and very demanding. I learned, I learned a lot from Carl. I mean, many of the things that um, make me who I am today, I would say, you know, come from Donald in terms of my presence, my confidence, how to present, um, you know, how to, you know, position things, you know, correctly, how to never give up and always fight. You know, I learned a lot of that from Donald. And then from Carl, I learned a lot about things like, hey, just because, you know, something's a contract doesn't mean anything. don't take anything for granted, you know, consider everything. I had an ex experience with Carl Icahn. It was his 80th birthday. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, a partner of mine were in there negotiating a contract. Mm -hmm. And this is eight o'clock at night. And he's got all these people home. His wife's calling and he's arguing over $50. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was ridiculous. I yeah, mean, yeah. it was, and I mean, it was a small amount of money, but it yeah. was a big deal to him that he wanted to get this right. And regardless of how many people were waiting for him for his age, he wasn't going to let it go. Yeah. And then he put another deal on top of it so that we could, do the 50 and then he rolls something else into it so that well, he had two deals. So wow. it was, it was yeah. incredible. Well, that, that's exactly what I went through almost every day. You know, it's like, don't take anything for granted. Don't just automatically approve anything in a way, you know, you laugh at stuff like that, but it creates a discipline where if somebody says, Oh, we can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, you say, well, can we really can't do it? Or, you know, is there another way? So I really learned a lot about how to restructure and, and really, Think about what's right for the situation and not give in to we have to do this or we have to do that or the guy before me or the person before me agreed to this. So we got to follow through on it. You know, you, you, if something's not right, ultimately, it's not going to be right for anyone. So you really have to just bite the bullet and, and redo whatever you think needs to be redone and, and live with the consequences. So I learned a lot of that from Carl, um, you know, which is also great. And then my last one was, um, you know, I worked for four years restructuring uh, Foxwoods for the Mashantucket Pequot tribe. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, that was a very important um, situation for me. I got to know the Mashantucket tribe really well. I really became part of the Native American community. I actually was given a Native American name, which is kind of cool. And, um, you know, really got an understanding of what it was like to, to, you know, what the history of that community was like. And obviously they had a, a signature asset that had been kind of a fallen angel. I think we redeveloped the whole property. We built a big mall and, and really put the uh, community in, in good shape. So that, um, for spiritual and business reasons, uh, has a lot of meaning to me. We've known each other for a long time. I've been involved in a lot of different opportunities with you. And uh, I just have marveled at the way you've learned different businesses and how you've been able to apply your skills across the board. So it's yeah. been a pleasure to introduce you to our guests. And uh, I wish you continued good luck with uh, the streaming and online gaming business. So mm -hmm. thanks, uh, thanks for coming aboard and sharing your career with us. Well, thank you, Jed. And you know, I'd like to take the opportunity that throughout all of this, as you mentioned, we've had a, you know, a good relationship and it's been very valuable to me. And I've always 
thought very highly of you. And in some ways, you've been a little bit of a mentor for me. You set me straight when I need to be straight. So I want to take the opportunity to tell the community what a tremendous individual you are and how meaningful you've been in my life. Well, thank you. And uh, good luck to you and your family and uh, continue to try to navigate this COVID yep. probably more difficult than the financial instruments you had to use. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, That's I know. Well, it's been tough for a lot of people, but um, hopefully, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Well, good. Thanks. Thanks, Jed. You bet. Hey.